my name is Chris. I'm an elder in this church. I'm not the pastor. If it's your first Sunday here, I always encourage you to please come back again. Do not judge this uh, church on what you see today. You know, a couple of years ago in an elders meeting, I had suggested that elders take about every six to eight week cycle to give Brett a break because there's no associate pastor here. He preaches about 50 out of 52 weeks. It was a good idea at the time, but today, <laughs> not so sure, but I'm not going to repine. <laughs> it is so good to see so many faces that I have not seen in a while in this church. I guess as the vaccines make their way through the congregation, it's great to see people both young and old that I haven't seen in a long time. I had my vaccine. Uh, just as an FYI, I do have spidey-like strength and a sixth sense of bad things happening. So just like the comic book, sometimes the shots uh, can produce some great results. So I had a birthday this last week. Thank you. All but 10 of you sent me gifts, so thank you, Carrie. And it's interesting, the older I get, the more I tend to think about two things. One is the past, which I don't know why, but as we get older, we... We reminisce about the past. And the second thing is heaven, oddly enough. But I want to talk about the past for a second. I'm going to talk about some things that I miss about the past. And a few of you in this room, Tim, may remember this. <laughs> uh, but not everybody's going to understand what I'm saying. First of all, one of the things that I loved about the good old days was, one, I was raised in a small town in Alabama near Fort Rucker for the pilots that are here. My dad was a helicopter instructor in the Army. And in the town I was raised in, everything closed on Sundays. And I don't know if it's just specific to Alabama or the Southeast, but on Wednesdays or Thursdays, most towns closed down at noon. Um, an amazing thing that I had forgotten about. I even, did, I even did a little research on that as to how that started. But everything closed on Sundays, and most towns closed half-day Wednesdays or Thursdays. Another thing I loved about being a kid, and Jamie's going to remember this, is when you wanted to order the joy buzzer out of the back of the comic strip, you actually had to cut the ad out. You had to fill your name in. You put cash in an envelope that you would save from mowing yards, and you mailed your cash, and 16 to 18 weeks later, you got your joy buzzer back, and it broke after three weeks. And for some reason, I miss that. I miss the fact that cartoons only came on once a week, and they had a season. So if you wanted to watch the new cartoons, I mean, this was big. This was, I don't know anything in my children's culture that's like this, but when the new cartoons came out, you got something that was called a TV guide. And the TV guide would talk about the new Super Friends, or the new New Adventures of Super Friends, or the Tarzan Batman Adventure Hour. And if you weren't there, with your Cocoa Krispies on the floor that morning, you did not see it. And after the season was over, you watched a full season of reruns until the next season. I miss that. I actually miss the fact that I learned the preamble to the Constitution on cartoons with something called Schoolhouse Rock. <laughs> and if I start singing, we the people in order to form a more perfect union. All right, we know who the old people are. <laughs> Uh, I can still go all the way through the preamble of the Constitution thanks to Schoolhouse Rock. Um, I miss the fact, uh, Phil put up this slide that I found earlier, I miss the fact that I was raised with a food pyramid, which by the way, the number one import, most important ingredient, Danya, was bread. 
Matter of fact, you needed to have twice the bread of fruit and vegetables combined. <laughs> that was the day. And actually, after church, we went to a place called Morrison's, which for those of us who were raised in public school is what the cafeteria could have been had money not been an object. And it, it had food on the line that actually would make Cracker Barrel blush. It was so fantastic because gravy and butter were the amazing thing. I am proud. You can take it down now, Phil. They've done away with that, by the way. In 2003 or 2005, I did the research on it. But I miss the fact that television advertised every day that Captain Crunch was part of a well-balanced diet. And you know how you balanced it? With butter toast, Danya. <laughs> if you had a piece of toast, by the way, Danya likes bread. Um, but, but that, and by the way, mothers believe that too. That was the amazing thing about it. So Captain Crunch was part of a well-balanced diet. But I know that a lot of us in this room probably romanticize the things that happened in the past. Because I remember the first time I came across a dipping stick pack as an adult and thought, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing I ever had as a kid. And as a reminder, do you, do you know what dipping stick is? Zaddy Bastion, do you know what that is? Okay, so a dipping stick is a solid stick of sugar with a pack of sugar that you lick and dip in and eat the sugar. I mean, it was on the, I think it was the third thing on the food pyramid. I know it's come down. But I remember sticking that thing in a sugar pack one time eating going, oh, this is not as good as I remember. I remember Friday night when Danya, Daniel, and Thomas talked me into doing a cartwheel. And I thought, I can do a cartwheel. I did one 15 years ago. <laughs> I surely can do one now. I couldn't. And my wrist hurt the rest of the night. So sometimes we romanticize the things of the past. And oddly enough, the older I get, the seem, seemingly more I'm thinking about the past and the good old days and the things that we missed. Second thing I'm thinking about is heaven. And why do I find myself thinking so much about heaven? Well, one, I have a lot more friends that are there now. I sat by my grandmother's bed when she passed away. I lost my father, uh, gosh, 20 years ago. Matter of fact, my father was nine years older than I am right now when he passed away. I also think a lot about heaven because I have a lot of friends who are struggling with health issues. And I hurt a lot when I wake up. <laughs> that's something that's been fairly new. Somebody said, the last time I pulled my back, somebody said, how'd you pull your back? I was getting a pot out of a cabinet. <laughs> they were like, and? I'm like, that's it. <laughs> pulled my back. But as much as I might romanticize the past, I feel I so under-romanticize my concept of heaven. I think we, and it's so great today because I told Sharon, God always tends to thank you, Tim, for that prayer. Thank you, Andrew, for leading today. Thank you, Jason, for sharing that testimony because I heard heaven and heaven and heaven through everything and, and God's greatness and how we can't even imagine what heaven's going to be like. And that's what I want to talk about today. So you're going to ask, what in the world does the passage that Danya and Katie read have to do with heaven. Well, if you've never heard me preach, do understand that reason and order have nothing to do with what you're about to hear. And if that's important to you, I'm sorry. Um, it just might not connect. But to me, it does. So what I want to do is set the stage for the reading of the 31 Kings that you just heard. Our pastor has been going through the book of 
Exodus. So a lot of this leads up to it. So first of all, God made a promise to his people to provide them a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The people were in exile in Egypt or slavery in Egypt, and Moses was called to deliver them out of Egypt, which happened, the exodus happened from Egypt. He led them to the promised land, and 12 spies go check out the promised land. Ten of them come back and said, there's no way. They're huge, they're mighty men, we're like grasshoppers. Actually gleaning back to Kung Fu, which is another great memory I have in my head. But he said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight, there's no way that we can take this land. And so they don't even try. Now of the 12 spies, 10 said we can't take it, two said we could. Who were the two? Caleb and Joshua. So then they go into 40 years of wandering in the wilderness the generation dies away, all except, and by the way, Moses dies too. The only two survivors were Caleb and Joshua. And then under the leadership of Joshua, they take the land. And over seven to eight years, they go through a pretty um, amazing, awful, fantastic, disturbing account of the battles that they go through. Um, dispersion, which Danya and Katie, Andrew and Daniel, who were up here, are part of, we just got through a complete study of the book of Daniel. And it is an amazing, terrible, fantastic, and sometimes very tedious book. There's a lot of lists. Did I say Joshua? Say Daniel. Daniel. Well, it's because Daniel was playing guitar. Uh, Joshua. So Joshua's an amazing book. And we come at the end of these battles to this place where we hear of the 31 kings that were defeated. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. Matter of fact, there were some mentioned earlier. These are the kings defeated on the west side of the Jordan. Moses was actually part of the victories on the east side of the Jordan. So they crossed the Jordan, and there's an accounting of the 31 kings um, that were defeated. And even dispersion, when I said, here's the passage we're going to read this week, I got some text like, are you sure? Is this right? I'm like, yes. So I love this passage, and interestingly enough, usually after I study to prepare for dispersion, I usually listen to a sermon after I've studied. Could not find any sermons on the 31 Kings, unless you go to an EV Free Church or a Calvary Chapel. You'll always find something, but even Calvary would put two or three of these chapters together. So this was just something they, they skimmed over. So not a hanging verse in most people's house. You don't see the 31 kings when you walk into somebody's foyer. It's not like, here's my inspirational thought for the day, the 31 kings. But to me, this became such an enormous passage of scripture. All scripture, everybody say all. All, all scripture is given for us for purpose. When you skip over stuff because it's too tedious, and there is some pretty long list and tedious stuff, but it is there for a reason. So I'm going to tell you the three points I took away from the 31 kings that were read today. Point number one, like the Israelites, this is not our home. Say it again, like the Israelites, this is not our home. Point number two, if you're a note taker, the east side of the Jordan, meaning the, the part before we go to heaven, has a purpose. The here and now, even though this is not our home, we have purposes and we have things to do on this side of heaven. And number three, the battle and the victory belong to the Lord. Amen. All right, so first point, this is not our home. Were you aware 
that you are called in Scripture a sojourner, a stranger, an alien. Um, you are not of this world. By the way, I believe that most people who do need, don't even follow Jesus are aware that, that there's something more than this. When I hear non-believers look and say things like, is this all there is? Or this world seems so broken and so messed up. Or even when a non-believer looks at a follower of Jesus Christ and says, where is your God when fill in the blank? Even that statement recognizes that there is a brokenness and an inequity and a lack of justice that has to be fixed on some cosmic level. So I think that almost everybody is at some level aware that there is something more than this. I think Christians are even aware that there is something more than this. But I think sometimes they're aware in the same way that they're aware of death. Now, in my business, I'm a financial advisor. I talk a lot about death because people plan for death and plan for the passing of assets and plan for things at death. And I come across people a lot of times that don't want to talk about it at all. It's not a fun topic, especially if you have no hope. So that's a, that's a, I, he has hope. I just think that's a word we talk about a lot. <laughs> especially for those that have no hope. And a lot of Christians are that way too. Yeah, I know I'm going to die. Yeah, it's appointed once for a man to die. I get that. I don't want to talk about it. So I think everybody's aware. But I'm going to read some verses. Here's the question I'm going to ask as I read this verse. Are you aware or do you know? And I'll talk about what I mean by that. First of all, in Philippians 3.20, it says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 11.13, where they're talking about the Faith Hall of Fame, it says this. Um, speaking of those, it says, They had died... And all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. And even Jesus himself in the Gospel of John says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you just as you are, or you love you as its own, but because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of this world, therefore the world hates you. So when I say, do you know, I mean, do you recognize yourself as an ambassador, as a sojourner, as a traveler, as an alien? By the way, if you're, an, if you're my daughter-in-law, went through her citizenship a couple years ago and became a U.S. citizen. She was very aware, as is everyone in this, this church that's gone through similar processes of where their citizenship is and the laws they had to abide by to maintain citizenship. An alien is not unaware of where their citizenship lies. So when I say, do you know, does it inform everything about your life? Does it inform your relationships? Does it inform how you work with people? Does it inform your marriage? Does it inform your, your, your um, relationships with friends? Do, and let me tell you something. The, the, you hear these guys at Waterfront who give testimonies? It defines them now. 
The beautiful thing about these testimonies, and I know a lot of times Waterfront will make videos that can play at rotaries and churches. You don't always hear that. But when you hear a guy who's unfettered at, at Waterfront that will tell you what Jesus Christ has done for him, how Jesus has rescued him out of the addiction and the homelessness that he was in, it defines them. The fact of where their citizenship is defines them. And that's what I'm asking you, bless you. Does it define you and do you know? So I'm going to ask a question. How many people here have ever been in the Hartsfield International Airport? Raise your hand. Raise them high. Raise them proud. All right. How many people have ever been through or to the Hartsfield International Airport on the way to a vacation, a family trip, a mission trip, something besides business? Raise your hand. All right. How many people here have ever planned a week's vacation at the Hartsfield International Airport? <laughs> Raise your hand. Come on, honey, I've got Delta points. We're going to Concourse B <laughs> to celebrate our anniversary. There's a reason they call it a terminal. Huh. Uh, so <laughs> People do not plan vacations at the Hartsfield International Airport. Matter of fact, I googled top, thin, top 10 things to do at the Hartsfield International Airport. Because TripAdvisor always has top 10 things to do in Pensacola, top 10 things to do in LaGrange, Georgia. I mean, any town you pick. Cantonment's got top 10 things to do. <laughs> TripAdvisor, the result was top 10 things to do near the Hartsfield International Airport. I did find top eight things to do at the Hartsfield International Airport from a website called sleepingintheairport.com. And here they are. Number one. Eating. Number two, lounging. And I read this, it literally means sitting. So the number two best thing to do in the Hartsfield International Airport is to sit. Number five, shopping. And it's cheap too. Number six, going to the spa. I called Jamie this last week and I asked Jody, where is he? He's at the spa at the Hartsfield International Airport. Apparently there's a spa at the Hartsfield International Airport. Number seven, Surfing the web. If you ever see me going to the airport just to surf the web, just take me out right now. I mean, life has hit a low for me. And number eight, sleeping. Now you'll notice in that list, I skipped number three and number four because number three and number four on the list of the eight best things to do in the Hartsville International Airport start with the phrase, first leave the airport. So they couldn't even come up with a full eight. They only came up with six. So it's not an exciting place to be. Here's my point. I think many times I, as a believer, and we are believers, are living our life in the terminal. I think we are trying to make the most of this earth, and we are looking for all our joy, all our identity, and all our pleasure at Concourse B, Gate 3. We have no idea that we are heading someplace else. It does not define us. It does not affect the relationships we have. It doesn't affect the way that we use our money and our possessions. The terminal is all there is, even sometimes to those that believe in Jesus Christ. So my question is, are you not aware that you're a sojourner and an alien here, but do you know that you are a sojourner and an alien here? All right. My second point. Oh, by the way, in case somebody comes up and says, well, gosh, Chris, you know, you talk so much about heaven. Do you want to go? I'm like, yeah, not now. <laughs> I still have some things I want to do, and that leads me to my second point. The east side of the Jordan 
living on this earth before going to our home, there is purpose for us to be here. God has put us here. God has called us here. The word says that he has given us good deeds to walk in before we were ever born. There's battles to be fought. There are people to be loved. There are relationships to be built. And there are lives to be saved from the pit of hell while we are here. So I long for it. But there's still some things I want to do. A, I want to have grandkids. I love my grand dogs and my grand cats. I want to have grandkids. <laughs> Two, I want to go see the um, Tim and Beck in Germany. Three, I want to roll a kayak and not halfway. I actually want to roll it back up again. I've gotten the halfway part down cold. Four, Daniel and I want to rematch with Davis and Jay <laughs> before I go to the Netherlands. And fifthly, I want the people that I love dearly who do not know Jesus to know Jesus. And let me tell you something. If you don't understand the patience of God, when you say, come, Lord Jesus, come. And he says, I am patient because there are still people who do not bow their knee to me and call me Lord and Savior. And that will, that will make me want to stay here for as long as the Lord purposes for me to stay here until the people that I love dearly who do not know Jesus call Jesus their Lord and Savior. So there is a purpose here. And it's fascinating. When you go through the book of Joshua, it's all about what is and what will be, um, the things you've been given that you still have to be active in. So th throughout Joshua, they say, this land is yours. Now go take it. I have given you this land. Now possess it. So there's a responsibility that we have with this thing called Christianity where God gives us things, promises things, and has actually fulfilled those promises but we still have to be active and we still have to step out. So is there a purpose on this side of heaven? Amen. All right. Notes mean nothing to me because they're already messed up. <laughs> Three, third point. The battle and the victory belong to the Lord. The battle and the victory belong to the Lord. So in the book of Joshua, and we didn't read it here today, but there's this great um, intersection as Joshua goes in the land, and the, the one story that everybody knows out of Joshua is the Battle of Jericho. There's even a song that the older people here like the school house, right? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. So Joshua's going into Jericho, and he comes across a warrior, and it says, with his sword drawn. And Joshua, it says, I love this, Joshua looks up at him. And Joshua asks a question that's very reasonable for Joshua to ask. Are you fighting for us, or are you fighting for our enemy? And he says, no, I am the commander of the Lord's army. And then he looks at Joshua and says, take your shoes off because you are standing on holy ground. And it says Joshua falls to his face. Now, a lot of people think that this is what is called, is this correct, a Christophany? Actually, an appearance of Jesus Christ himself. It does not tell us that, um, but it could be. But what I love when I see this is before Joshua goes to the first battle, God identifies who's in charge, and God identifies whose battle this is. And one commentator, and I want to read this because I want to get it right. One commentator says that Joshua is naturally asking whose side the warrior is fighting for. However, in actuality, the warrior was telling Joshua that God was fighting the battle, and he wanted to see if Joshua would be on the side of God. And I want you to hear that again. 
Joshua wanted to know if he was going to fight for his cause, the thing that he was going for, the things that he wanted, or were they going to fight against the enemy? And the commander of the army of God said, this is God's battle. Are you going to be on the right side? And it changes the way they go into every battle. Because what we learned in the battles of Joshua is when they won, God was on their side. And when they didn't win, they had either neglected or disobeyed God in the process. So hear me again. The battle and the victory belong to the Lord. Amen. So, when I hear the 31 kings, and y'all can come back up here again. It snuck up on you quick, didn't it? When I hear the reading of the 31 kings, I hear the victories that God brought to the people of Israel. And some they saw, and some they did not see. So when I want to place my identity in heaven and recognize that I am a sojourner, that I am an alien, and that I am a stranger in this land. I am a resident of heaven. I am a child of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not by what I have done, not because of my great battle skills, not because of anything I bring, only what Jesus thinks about me. And then I hit these things that cause us so much pain and so much hurt and so much despair, then instead of kings, I hear this. Poverty, one. Corruption, one. Depression, one. Pornography, one. Deceit, one. Dementia and Alzheimer's, one. Infidelity, one. Divorce, one. Sex trafficking, one. Cancer, one. Insecurity, one. Lies, one. Loneliness, one. Self-hate, one. Child abuse, one. Evil, one. Seizures, one. Politics, one. Migraines, one. Fear, one. Murder, one. Utility, one. Lost pregnancies, one. Sickness, one. Darkness, one. Sin, one. Death, one. The grave, one. Satan, one.